following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 849 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the other host for you, the lovely, talented, scholarly Brittany Page. So I'm very disappointed because I have a favorite beanie that I like to wear, and it's hand wash only. (laughs) Which is uh, an imposition. No one has time for that. And (laughs) so I thought it would be fine and just put it in the wash on a delicate cycle, right? It's close. It's kind of like hand washing. It's hand washing. And that did not work out because now I look just like Ada BC from Oz on HBO. That's a deep cut. Don't know how many people are going to get that reference. And I'm actually a little shocked that you didn't mispronounce his name rather than call him by his character name, Ada BC. Uh, call him Abadisi, which is kind of your norm, your go-to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fun little game that we play. <laughs> we play? Yes. I I say his name correctly. No, I know, but it's a fun little game for me to say it wrong, and then you correct me every time, and you think I just never remember, but that's no, not I know. A game, that's not a game we play. That's a game you play. Mm. There's a there's an ocean of difference between those two things. Okay. That could be <laughs> that could be right. You really were, were purposefully mispronouncing the yes, name? Yes. All right. Yeah. I have no reason to to not believe you. Cool. So, <laughs> and by the way, it does look like a baby beanie now. Yeah, and you look like you have a massive pumpkin head trying to stuff into that tiny. You know, you know the when you're when a baby's born, they have like a a striped beanie that they put on the kid's grape, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When my little brother was born, mm-hmm. my youngest brother Zach was 10 pounds at birth Mm -hmm. my mom's like five foot four little Mm -hmm. and he had a giant giant pumpkin head actually he still has a massive melon it's like twice the size of yours i have a big giant pumpkin head and his when like there's pictures of us standing next to one another and it's like i'm a child (laughs) next to his father (laughs) and they just laid his little beanie next to him in the in yeah. the in the nursery because <laughs> like, it wouldn't is, fit. It would not be healthy to put <laughs> yeah. this on his head. Right? Yeah. Right. Cut off the circulation. <laughs> it was well. I guess he was C-section because he was such a giant. Mm. But it'd be like coming out of the birth canal again. Yeah. Just in beanie form. Right. Right. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, it'll stretch out. Okay. Well, or your head will shrink. One yeah, of the two. We can we can only hope. So I am getting old. I'm going to start to shrink soon. So we are. <laughs> Having a good time, obviously. (laughs) Um, I read an article recently that I want to talk about because it was very funny, the framing of the article. And this is from Business Insider. And it is about the daughter of Bill Gates, Jennifer Gates. And the title says, Inside the Life of Bill Gates' Daughter Jennifer, an elite equestrian who stands to inherit a minuscule portion of her father's 106 
billion dollar fortune. Did they put minuscule portion in quotes? Yes. Oh, they did. Good. Yes. Well, that's something. Uh, that's something. Sure. And so <laughs> in it, it's just kind of a summary of Bill Gates's daughter's life and like the things that she has been doing since she was born. And in it, they give a quote from Bill Gates who makes the claim that he is determined for his children to forge their own paths in life. I remember uh, the press made a big deal about this. He made an announcement that he was only going to, they were only going to inherit like 5 million bucks each or something. He said, he said again, in quotes, a minuscule portion. And he said, quote, it will mean they have to find their own way. Right. Okay. Now I know this is going to be surprising when you hear this. But Jennifer Gates recently purchased a six-bedroom penthouse in Tribeca for $51 million. And she hasn't even inherited any money yet. That is pretty minuscule, if you're asking me. I mean, come on. Elite equestrian. (laughs) This is... That pays well. How do you get... I need to get my resume together Mm -hmm. and go apply for the job of elite equestrian because... I I want a $51 million penthouse in Tribeca. I would love to find my own way with a minuscule portion of family money. Well, she hasn't even gotten it yet. He's not dead. I mean, that's that's the point, right? That's yes. the point that needs to be directly illustrated when media covers these kinds of stories is when Bill Gates is claiming that they're going to have to find their own way. They have right. never found their own way. Right. They have never found their own way. Whether we're talking finances, whether we're talking what schools they went to, they what are... What elbows they rub up against. They're the child of Bill and Melinda yeah, Gates. right. That's not going to be a thing that happens. Now, they can like not work at the foundation or something. They cannot... Uh, you know, actively take part in the business affairs that Bill Gates is involved in, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to benefit substantially, even if he's not depositing a more than minuscule portion of money in their account every month. I mean, she's she's the female version of Connor Roy. I mean, and these are the <laughs> she's same. A con head. These are the same kind of stories that you see. From places like Business Insider, CNBC is another one that that publishes these stories where they will talk to some 25-year-old who is already a millionaire, owns several houses, and they're like, you know, how did you do this? And they're talking about... How did you do this all on your own is typically how it's framed. Yeah, they're like, well, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. every morning and I meditate for 30 minutes a day. And also yeah. I inherited $5 million from my dad. <laughs> you know, it's like... My dad's a hedge fund fund manager. But, you know, I did this all on my own. Yeah, I mean, come on. Stop with the manipulation and making it's, people feel like they haven't done enough when really they just haven't been connected it's enough. It's fantasy. Yeah. It's absolute fantasy. Yeah. So uh, do better, business insider. This almost feels like an asshole of today segment, but it's not. Mm. We're, we're going to get there. We have oh, another we, one. We have a, a good one, a, a banger one. today. Yeah, yeah, a banger in the asshole of today. Spoiler alert: It's Scott Adams. Everybody, good it, times. They can see that in the. Oh, that's right. It's in the title. Yeah. Ah, there's no spoilers. But why would you want to spoil it like that? That's really. Well, because people can prepare, they can begin to salivate and oh, and you know, in in prep in a preparatory fashion so, for 
I for the read, hatred. I read what happens in the Last of Us video game. No. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Oh, right. No, because yeah, but- it'll make you really... Yeah, what what well, were you just saying? Uh, uh, I was, sure, I was sure, preparing sure, my sure. joke and I wasn't listening to you. So <laughs> were you saying like savor and get excited about... Is that what me spoiling The Last of Us will do? If for in the you? title of the episode it said what happened, then yeah, I think I'd be okay with that. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, we want to get to... Uh, talking about Patreon, uh, we want to encourage you to become a member of the Patreon family. We are just hours away from our our monthly hangout call on Zoom with uh, with the 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 people of that tier, which, by the way, is just a Zoom call. It's not uh, it's not like a live stream on YouTube where you can only chat it like with your fingers on the t- keyboard. It's a hangout. You can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and uh, sign up and see what's of uh, what's uh, what's involved there. Yeah. We also want to say the end of your gifts are pretty much done. I mean, they're done going out and they should be done by the end of the month, ending up where they should be unless they have been returned or are being held at the post office hostage for some amount of postage. Now, If you are one of those people that is getting a notice from the United States Postal Service that postage is due before you can get your envelope, please email us or send us a message on Patreon and we will cover that cost or we will just send you a new one and you can just never pick that up and I'm sure it will get returned to us eventually. Maybe some postal worker will will attain the gift since we're still not saying what it is. None of this makes any sense. Again, hundreds of them have gone out, hundreds, over 400. And most of them have gone where they needed to go, including to London and Denmark and South Korea. <laughs> and oh, well, there was a lot of international this year. There was a lot of international. and like 50 or so. And then somehow in Ohio, it's getting returned and saying that you need $4.57 extra. To deliver in Ohio. Yeah, we got told today that someone had 39 cents and it went to South Dakota. Yeah, so it doesn't make any sense. We don't know why this is happening. Louis DeJoy, Postmaster General. You're going to laugh. It's it's a one ounce envelope, a bubble envelope. It doesn't even go over an ounce. It's actually 0.75. The envelope with the contents, not even an ounce. It doesn't even go over an ounce. Because we sent two to one person and it was one and a half ounces. Frankly, we're being extorted by the United States Postal Service. (laughs) And I think this is a war crime. And this is really what people talk about when they say Louis DeJoy is a bad guy. I mean, this is what he does to people. (laughs) This is it. Allegedly. So if you are getting that notice again, email it to us, send us a message. We will reimburse you. We are serious about this. Don't get a notice, pay it and say nothing. Tell us and we are going to reimburse you. Just based on principle. Yeah. Okay. So we would like to thank our new Patreon supporters. Angela F. Angela F. David B. David B. Matthew R. Matthew R. And then we want to give a special shout out to two existing Patreon supporters who have increased their pledge. And that is John P. John P. Douglas PJ. Douglas PJ. Thank you so very much for your support of the show. We could not do this without you. We are currently making so such significant progress with the studio. We have additional sound paneling up on the wall, up on the ceiling. Yeah, it sounds great in here. It sounds a lot better. We have three cameras filming us right now to prepare for how that's going to be. Just a test run. It's a test run and 
we're almost set up. We, we have two bookcases coming for the background that we're going to have on YouTube and little decorations that we're going to put on the bookcase. It's going to look really professional, you guys. And Or like shelves with knickknacks. Yeah, we have to decide <laughs> if we're going to be getting dressed every time we do the show now that we're going to be filming it or if we're just going to roll in here the way that we typically do <laughs> when we're recording the show wearing our out of BC beanies and... <laughs> My Washington football team, stupid shit. Yeah, and just pajamas, and we we just woke up and, and came down here to do this. So we'll decide. You guys, maybe we'll let the Patreon supporters vote on what no, we should wear we will while, while we're filming. They can vote, but <laughs> it won't determine the outcome. Yeah. I think I'm just going to be hoodie guy, mm. you know. Keeping it casual. Yeah, I keep it cash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Look at sitting here in a sport coat and do the show. Yeah. What am I? I don't know. I got oh, nothing. Okay, so we're off to a good start. So anyway, thank you guys. We appreciate your support very much. It means the world to us. It does keep the lights on. Um, it is a, a fantastic metric of the community that we are lucky enough to have surround the show, and we appreciate you. Um, let's move on to some listener communication. Last time on the show, we talked about John Fetterman, Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania, the the prestigious commonwealth of pennsylvania and the senator checked himself in for mental health treatment uh it's being reported that he is um suffering depression and um kudos to him godspeed to him and we got a call about it hey jesse hey Brittany. i was just listening to your latest podcast and i heard about john fetterman checking himself into the hospital and i think that's awesome that he's getting help I struggle with depression and I'm currently in a down mood swing for like a month now and insurance is being annoying and not wanting to fill something that my doctor said would really help me. So it's been like a two week long battle because I want to feel better, I know it'll help me feel better, but in America we have insurance which doesn't want to pay to save money in the long run and keep me out of a mental hospital. So I really want to try to remember to email Fetterman and be like, dude, you're awesome. I live in PA and you are literally living my life, apart from being a senator. But yeah, I just thought that is the most awesome thing I have ever heard of a politician doing, admitting they need help. So yeah, you guys are awesome. I'm so glad you guys are reporting on this. And yeah. Also, thank you for telling people like Chris to fuck off. Just fuck straight off. Just, this is the world. Deal with the fact that people are different from you and don't judge them by what they want to do. Judge them by who they are. Like John Fetterman, who is awesome. Anyway, I love you guys. Sweetie's the best part. You guys are good too. Bye. You guys are kind of okay. <laughs> she is the best part right now. She's knocked the fuck out in her bed. Yeah, luckily we've created a pretty good routine with Sweepy, and she just lays in her bed while we record, which is nice. Well, it's different than it was a few months ago when she was in attack mode. Yes, we would have to attention. separate her. Yeah, it was it was not ideal. But yeah, I mean, our our system in this country for taking care of mental health is not great. And it actually reminds me of a Wall Street Journal <laughs> Wall Street Journal article. 
What did I do there? Journical? Journical. Yeah. So a Wall Street... It's, it's, it's economy of language. You're just streamlining the process. Yeah, exactly. And it was called The Failed Promise of Online Mental Health Treatment. And it talks about all of the different therapy apps that exists, like BetterHelp, Talkspace, all of these different yeah. therapy apps that have, have popped up recently and that have grown exponentially during the pandemic because people are struggling and needing access to mental health treatment. And in lieu of being able to work within an easy system, they turn to apps. And these apps, I have always maintained, are not great. Well, you you used to just maintain that they just weren't a an adequate substitute for in-person talk therapy and it's since evolved because your initial instinct ended up being absolutely correct and they're just bad news. Yeah, and in this article they they talk about how the the goal has really just been to grow very quickly yeah. and that they have invested their their money in advertising and reaching more customers rather than paying their therapists well, finding good therapists that have a lot of clinical experience and that have good clinical skills. And this has created problems where people sign up and they want counseling for a specific thing. They will note that on their intake form. For example, someone who was interviewed in the article said that they had been kicked out of their house or their family disowned them after they came out as gay and so they wanted to go to counseling and and see a therapist who specialized in lgbtq plus issues and instead they got matched with a christian counselor (laughs) who started telling them that they needed to basically choose between their family and being gay wow and asked them if they had been intimate with a man before and if they hadn't then they should avoid doing that because it would make it more difficult to like stop being gay and give up their gay lifestyle. And this app, I think it was BetterHelp, that one, that they said that they don't allow conversion therapy on the app. And it's like, well, that sounds, you know, like Yeah, just because you don't call it conversion therapy doesn't mean that's not what it is. Yeah, and then they say, well, we can't comment on that because of client confidentiality. They tried to interview the therapist. The therapist says, I can't comment on that because of client confidentiality. There was another instance, uh, someone who signed up with Talkspace, and they said their therapist was like walking around in different rooms in the house and then settled on the couch. While giving therapy? Yeah, during the session, settled on the couch and like they could see their kitchen in the background and people were just like milling about in the kitchen while the therapy session was going on. And then they said in the next therapy session, the therapist was having the session while in a passenger seat of a car and it was driving. And at one point the driver got out to get gas while the therapy session was going on. So someone else was in the car what? driving. Just privy to the to the confidentiality confidentiality that these companies are now hiding behind in an effort to not talk about their their shortcomings. Well, and the therapist claimed I wear headphones uh, so the person can't hear. Do you also wear something over your mouth where nothing is <laughs> not they can't hear what you say? Right, but even still, I mean we went through a period during the pandemic where everything became telehealth and we were giving all of our sessions on telehealth. There was no in-person meetings and it was very difficult. But part of that is, is having strong boundaries with, with your clients as well as yourself and ensuring that 
you're sitting still, you're still in your space that you're giving therapy. You're not walking around, you're not doing other things, you're not doing dishes, you're not having other people in the room. You're present with the client. Right, and yeah. you have the client do that as well. And sometimes that would be difficult. The client would be wanting to do things while they're you know, in their therapy yeah. session and you're like, no, you need to sit still. It's like we're in the office, but we're yeah. not. So we need to recreate that on telehealth. So these apps are definitely not great. And I don't know why I'm ranting about the apps. I think it's just because I'm so enraged after reading this article. <laughs> well, it deals with m- mental health and yeah. the system in our country. You sp- certainly don't listen. We've witnessed in this country what happens when you entangle profitability with health care. We fucking know what the outcome is, and it's not good. Right. And they're not learning their lesson. These companies are trying to grow, and when they scale, and they scale too quickly, especially with an online platform that's like Uber, so it's like surge pricing. I mean, they don't do that. But what they do is they they incentivize these therapists to take on as many fucking clients as they can because they're not being paid well anyway. Right. And then by doing that, they provide substandard care for each one of these patients. Or at least that seems the way it would be to me. I, You've done a lot more looking into it than me. No, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. And so the caller did not give their name, but I definitely sympathize with it. I know even therapists who are licensed and work in this field will talk about the difficulty of finding a good therapist and going through this process. So even people who are educated and know the field and know the process can struggle with it and it's a shame because millions of people are in the same spot as the caller as senator john fetterman and they need help and access to resources before things get to a point where it's unmanageable or they are in harm's way yeah we'd love to know what you think 657-464-7609. of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's been a lot of talk about the national divorce. Marjorie Taylor Greene has been <laughs> yeah. has been talking about the national divorce. Jesse, do you want to talk about what, what basically the pitch is for the national divorce? Yeah, well, I mean, she wants to, she, very vague because, you know, there's no details. She's not a real wonky policy type person, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I know that's going to come as a shock to everybody that she's a fucking dum-dum. But it is to divide the country by the current political, I, I'm going to put my spin on it. This is not how she describes it. But you freeze this moment in time and you separate blue states from red states and somehow that's supposed to make the federal debt go down. It doesn't really make any sense, but she also wants to create some kind of restriction on people moving from blue states to red states with a three to five, I think she calls it a cooling off period, where you're not allowed to. You're restricted from voting in that red state. Of course, no talk of red state people being forbidden from voting in blue states when they move. Mm -hmm. But it's just a general... National divorce separating the states by political ideology. I mean, she doesn't go into how you, like Georgia has a Republican governor, but the entire delegation, like the two senators are are Democrats and the state went for Biden in the 2020 election. So 
It's unclear. Tennessee or uh, Kentucky has a, a Democrat in the governor's office and a Republican delegation. How do you decide? It's just dumb fuckery. So she wants a waiting period for people who move from a blue state to a red state on voting. Does she support waiting periods for gun purchases? Oh, no. Mm. No. Interesting. No. Okay. It's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's wholly unconstitutional. It is wildly uh, short-sighted because... The national divorce. The national divorce, yeah, because <laughs> you're... Blue states pay for red states. On the whole, red states take more in tax dollars than they provide to the federal government. So, I mean, short of like Texas, which I don't think is a is a um, in arrears in that way. But I mean, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, even Georgia, all these states are takers. They're not providers. And it's the blue states that subsidize. So it just, it's a nonsense thing. Also, if we freeze this particular political landscape, how does that provide for making California into a red state for Republicans? Well, these are also the same people who complain that Biden is not doing enough for unity. And then they just come out and they're like, yeah, we don't want anything to do with Democrats or blue states anymore. So let's just dispense with all this. But Before we get into Marjorie Taylor Greene's various appearances promoting the national divorce and different Republican responses to it, including support for and uh, lack of support for, we're going to talk about the actual divisions in America that we're seeing today in this PBS NewsHour piece where Judy Woodruff interviewed two Pew Research Center researchers specifically about how the divisions we're currently seeing in America do seem to be worse than what we've seen before. And there's another trend that really worries Doherty and Kylie, the degree to which people from one side not only disagree with, but actively dislike those on the other. It's not new that Republicans have an unfavorable view of the Democratic Party and vice versa. But these very unfavorables is what we're focused on here. And these are the sort of uh, intensely negative. And you see that tripling just about between 1994 and 2022 on the Republican side and and a huge spike on the Democratic side as well. And so the shares of people who have this intense dislike for the opposing party has grown so much over the past 20 or 25 years. We have asked uh, for a while these questions about different traits. And you can see in this graphic that, for instance, 72% of Republicans say that Democrats are more dishonest than other Americans. And 64% of Democrats say the same about Republicans. Carol, it is striking. I mean, you look at the numbers, um, immoral. I know. <laughs> Just in 2016, 35% of Democrats thought Republicans were immoral. Today, it's 63. And Republicans, it's gone from 47 to 72. It is quite striking. And Jocelyn, from a, from a polling point of view, from a researcher, academic point of view, what's striking about that? I mean, we're talking... I don't know, 22, 20, less than 30 years this has happened. I think one way to think about this is is that people have internalized partisan identity maybe in a way that, that we didn't really see, say, three decades ago. So it's about issues. It's about emotions. Um, and they kind of feed on each other, meaning as you see the other party further apart on issues, uh, you're less likely to socialize with them. You're less likely to have them in your friend groups. Um, 
and therefore maybe you're a little bit more more likely to have negative stereotypes about them. And that's what I wanted to ask you: who's who who's pushing this? Where where who's the instigator in all this? Is it is it Washington pushing the American public, or is it the American public? Pushing Washington. Yes, <laughs> it's both of those it's things. Both. It's, it's really, it really is both. And we can, th- you can think about the role of the media in this too. Yes. Yes. Um, over this time period, we started to see more fragmentation of media. So, so people can tend to be more likely to get their news from from places that show them the kind of news that they're interested in. The rise in cable news, the rise in social media, mm-hmm. uh, and and so. I think it would be very difficult to say this is, you know, this is top down or bottom up. It's a, it's a mix of both of those. So I think one interesting thing about that clip when they're talking about how we've really internalized this polarization, that we view the other side with terms like immoral, and we we, we now see the other side as not just a disagreement on issues, but you're actually a bad person mm-hmm. if you're on the other side. And I I wonder how much of this is who we see, what the mental image is in our mind when we think of a Republican or a Democrat, for example. Mm -hmm. And and what I mean by that is if you're a Democrat, if you're a liberal, if you're a leftist, maybe not a leftist, (laughs) if you're a Democrat, and you think of Mitt Romney, you may have different feelings toward that kind of Republican than Donald Trump or than Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I wonder how much of it is when you're thinking about or answering a Pew Research Center question about how you feel about a Republican, how many people are going to the most extreme version of the party and saying and giving their opinion on the party based on that person? Do you, do you kind yeah, of? I do. I just. I think. I think. Um, it's it's hard to say that Donald Trump is the most extreme version of the Republican Party when he's the the head of the party. He is the party. You know what I mean? He's the mainstream example of what the Republican Party is. I didn't like the whole framing. I think this is both sides in this. I do view Republicans as immoral. The the Republican Party just tried to overthrow the United States government by way of destroying American democracy. Uh, How else are you supposed to view it? One party is anti-democratic and trying to gain power through extra constitutional means or at the very least not they're not in outrage and opposition to that because they're silent about it only two republicans came out who were prominent cheney and kinzinger and now they're no longer in congress i don't know i I don't know. Maybe I feel personally attacked because they're saying, "Oh, and social media and the 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 you know uh, cable news and social media." I am social media. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. Um, I'd love a world where we could look because I do view Mitt Romney a little differently than than a, than a Donald Trump. A little bit. I think he's bad news. I think um, Liz Cheney is bad news. Yeah. But I view her differently because at least. She knows where there is uh, an existential threat to democracy when she sees it and calls it out, has the courage to call it out. Well, and that's why I said if you asked a Democrat or a liberal, but probably not a leftist, yeah. I would consider myself a leftist. And I don't I don't think there's too much different about any of the people that you're talking about right now. And even the people I just, Mitt Romney and Donald Trump, I mean, I wouldn't say there's too much difference. I would say Mitt Romney is a 
you know, he, like you said earlier, fascism with a smile about Nikki Haley. He, again, is kind of presenting the more acceptable, palatable version. He wants to he wants to be the more reasonable one yeah. while he still is in favor of all of the Republican policies. So really how different is he if he's actually supporting the Republican policies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's just not as overt and distasteful in how he says things. So I I think what I'm trying to get at, and and I understand that you don't like the framing where it's both sizing it, because I, I agree. But I'm also a leftist. So I see, I'm like, yeah, well, of course, they're, you know, the Republicans are not great, right? And why would, why would they <laughs> right. say Democrats are immoral? What have we ever done, you know? Um, I, I think the difference is kind of what I hear when I talk about election deniers. People will say no one actually believes the, the election denial story. And I will say no, two-thirds of the Republican Party believe the right. election lies. Rank story. and file believe it. The leaders might not believe it. Yeah, the people that are in power don't believe it. Right. They're using it to try to gin up support no, for their policies. We just learned that this week with the Dominion lawsuit documents and that Fox News, even their hosts, none of them believe it. None right. of them. To convince the uninitiated, to convince their low information voters, and this is what is, is going to get them to do that. Now, I would say that like an everyday kind of uneducated Republican voter who grew up in a Republican household, basically, let's say it's like you, Jesse, yeah. but who never had an awakening, but doesn't hold racist views, but just kind of does that like, oh yeah, I'm fiscally, I'm conservative, sure, you know, sure. whatever. And that's why I vote for Republicans. Is that person immoral? Pew Research isn't delineating these things. Like, they're not going that deep. So right, that, that's right. what I mean. Is someone, when they're being asked... They you think, caricature Republican in their head when they answer the question. Yes. Yeah. They're not giving the most generous interpretation of that label. They're just like, oh, yeah, Republican, immoral. Eh. Yeah, but the problem is, is the timeline that they're showing here, like 30 years ago, people weren't like this. 30 years ago, the Republican Party wasn't what it is today. Sure, it represented terrible policy, but it wasn't an openly anti-democratic, literally insurrection party. And now it is. Now it's open, mask-off racism before it was, you know, muted. Still there, but certainly not as overt as it is now. Well, and I wonder how much of that, too, is actually the difference in how Democrats have progressed because, you know, there's been a lot of progress made on racial issues and even Democrats and their progress sure. on how they view racial issues and growing support for Black Lives Matter movement, for abolishing the police, for, you know, these things or defunding the police. Sorry. And <laughs> <laughs> whoopsies. <laughs> Movements for defunding the police. There's been growing awareness, education, understanding about racial issues for those on the left, where 30 years ago, they probably would have said, oh, yeah, Ronald Reagan, you know, those comments that he made about monkeys and all that, you know, that's not a big deal. And uh. yeah, and now I think a lot of people are starting to see it differently. But by the way, if you don't know, Brittany's referring to a phone call with Richard Nixon that took place when Ronald Reagan was the governor of California, and there was an African delegation that had just visited the United States, and he was joking with President Nixon on the phone that he was shocked that those monkeys were wearing shoes. Fucking vile, racist piece of shit, Ronald Reagan. 
Yeah. So maybe it's the progress that has been made on the left that is also creating a situation where the Republicans are like, wow, these people aren't giving us a pass as much as they used yeah, to. Well, they're making progress in, in in changing hearts and minds, and it's scaring Republicans. Yeah, and, and that's where the, the vitriol is coming from. I think so. Yeah. I think certainly the, the Democratic Party has moved farther left, mm-hmm. um, and the Republican Party in, in, in lockstep has also moved, I think, uh, to a farther degree – farther right yeah well, and yeah. i also wonder how much of this i didn't want to keep talking about this but more ideas keep coming to mind we're solving Let's the world's problems yes, right now we are if, if episode we're, 849 if we're comparing today to 30 years ago a huge difference is also access to information and, and sure. earlier in this clip they were talking about how you used to run these polls and ask democrats how they felt about a republican president and vice versa and there would be a lot of i don't knows like people would be reserving their judgment until they saw the performance of the president and now when you ask a democrat how they feel about the republican president it's automatically negative without even knowing how they're going to do and it's like well maybe people are more aware because they have more access to information that they don't really need to wait to see what the republican president is going to do because they already heard everything that they want to do and they know more about what the party stands for not only that because of social media we are able to like you might not have known what your what your neighbor thought about politics because you only talked about mowing the lawn and what stain you're going to put on the deck and now you're on Facebook and you see the guy's a fucking psycho mm-hmm. and you're like if that's, if that's a regular Republican I don't want any part of that yeah you know yeah. so uh, there's a, a several elements here that I think didn't get covered you know it, 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 that. In a way that you can in a two minute and 46 second news package. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually an ongoing series that Judy Woodruff is doing. So oh, I thought she was, I thought that was just old after she retired. She's now doing. She retired from the news desk. Less intensive news, like other little projects. Yes. That was good for her. Yeah, so she's doing a long running series on the divisions in America. And that hmm. was a part of like a nine minute clip. That I that I singled out. I know you hated it, and you thought it was both sides in the issue. I think but it was a little of both sides in. I do. Well, I think it's the polling, though. Yeah, it's what the polling is showing that you have Republicans viewing Democrats as immoral, and you have the same thing with Republicans going the other way. Can- and in fact, this was a segment on Sarah Silverman was filling in for. You know, Trevor Noah retired from The Daily Show and Sarah Silverman was filling in and she talked about a survey. I haven't gone to look it up, so hopefully she wasn't joking about this, that a significant portion of whatever party thought that the other side would just be better off dead. Like yeah, they, something they just, like that. They yeah. think like a Democrat should just be dead or a Republican should just be dead. They don't even want to deal with them. And so I think it's getting to the heart of that. Like you have both Democrats and Republicans looking at the other side and saying, eh, just be dead. I don't yeah, care yeah, anymore. Yeah. Well... If you notice, the percentages that were listed that that I was trying to write down, there were double-digit differences between like 64, 63% of Democrats thought Republicans were immoral, but like 72 or 74% of Republicans thought it was even more extreme in every single metric for Republicans. And I bet that's the media driving that, Fox News. Yeah, because they are far more um, insulated in their media bubble there there are specific networks and we've got one msnbc which really isn't even a leftist channel well they're not running back-to-back news shows about uh liberals being cannibalists and demonic forces and shit eating babies and (laughs) but you 
Fox News, almost there. Net, uh, Newsmax, Netflix. Newsmax absolutely <laughs> is there. And so is OAN, although, you know, like 12 people watch OAN now. Yeah, well, and Marjorie Taylor Greene used to be there, but now she's protecting that side of her, hiding that side of her, not allowing it to come out because she wants to be... Again, going back to this label of mainstream, yeah. she wants to come out and be mainstream. She wants to be representative of the party, which I feel like is is fair, right? She's representing the party. Fair meaning that she is a representative of the party yeah. at this point. And she went on Hannity again to talk about her national divorce comments. Which, by the way, tells you just how mainstream she is. That she is used to be kind of avoided by Fox News and their hosts. Now, she's a welcome, regular fixture on their shows. And I want you to listen here for how she's really gauging support for her idea on national divorce. Or do you, do you actually think there will be a growing movement towards this because the divide is so deep? I actually think this is a much bigger movement than most people in Washington even realize. And you can take a look at the tweets that I made just yesterday. The amount of likes and retweets that those tweets got should tell people a lot. And they're just not aware of it yet because they don't talk to regular people. What could go wrong? Govern by retweet and like count. Isn't that a nightmare? I mean, come on. She is an unmitigated disaster uh, uh, just a stupid, stupid person. Not an intelligent, nuanced thinker in the slightest. Well, this is just a, a childish mentality of, you yeah. know, how many likes am I getting on my Instagram photo? Does that give me my self-worth? And she's really deriving her value and the value of her ideas from how popular they are on Twitter, which is not representative of America. Twitter no. is not representative of America. Yeah, most Americans aren't on Twitter. I mean, come on. And so she's like, you should check out. I have so many followers. I get so many likes. Look at my retweets. I'm well, super it's, cool. It's the Donald Trump method of of um, account of, of viability. Of legitimacy, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, the ratings, blah, fucking idiots. Yeah, so if you're wondering, does Sean Hannity support the idea of this national divorce of red states and blue states going their separate ways? It appears the answer is yes. You know, I I read this, and, and then I read your comments on it. You know, I think most people instinctively want this to be the United States of America. And here's my question. You know, how did you get to this this point i mean I, I look at topics for example how do you reconcile defund the police and no bail laws with law and order how do you reconcile secure borders and wide open borders how do you reconcile energy independence with energy dependence and new green dealism how do you reconcile peace through strength uh with with people that want to gut our defense you know there I, I don't see middle ground on a lot of these issues so what is the other answer if it's not a divorce. Well, exactly, Sean. That's the problem and where we are today. That exactly, Sean. That's the problem and where we are today. Also, when are Fox News viewers going to snap out of their haze and realize they're being lied to? Joe Biden increased the defense budget. Gut our defense budget? What in the fuck is he talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in this interview, she also uh, talked about Democrats 
the, the reason that this needs to be done, this national divorce idea, is because Democrats are pushing their policies and culture on the right. Is she kidding? That we're teaching ideologies to children that are dangerous. Is she kidding? Mm -hmm. So tolerance and anti-racism is a dangerous ideology. And then she goes on to talk about how white males are going extinct and can't get hired in finance. (laughs) Oh, boy. And then further goes on to say that this was the vision that our founding fathers had for the country. Apparently, they just didn't get around to actually putting it on paper and putting it into into action. Mm -hmm. Idiots. Well, if you're wondering, are all of the Fox News hosts on board with the national divorce? The answer is no. And one of those Fox News hosts, interesting, because they're all kind of come on at the same time. I don't know who comes on first, but it's Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Tucker Carlson that have the nighttime opinion shows. And Laura Ingram came out and is anti-national divorce. Okay, well, first, a law prohibiting American citizens who've not committed a crime from voting would probably not withstand legal scrutiny. Probably not. And second, how would this, like a national divorce, be good for conservatism? Now, why would we want to embrace the states that gave us Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton, but essentially give up on the states that gave us Reagan and Trump? Imagine if Youngkin had given up on Virginia, or if Republicans in Long Island gave up on New York. The last thing we need is an American breakup of any sort. Remember, a motto of this show almost from the start over five years ago has been no state left behind. Just because it often seems like Democrats have given up on America themselves doesn't mean ever that Republicans or conservatives should. They should not. I'm certainly not willing to give up on the states that gave us Sinatra, John Wayne, or that welcomed my grandparents from Poland. There are good, hardworking people in Illinois in New York and in California, Washington State, who don't want to move and who are looking for new leadership. So let's give it to them. Keep organizing. Keep registering people to vote. You know, get, get real about early voting. Keep making the case that liberalism is failing everywhere it's tried. The interesting thing about this full-throated opposition to the national divorce idea is that when she had her next guest on, Matt Gates. She walked back what the, the, the plan of Marjorie Taylor Greene actually is. She says, well, you know, like separating them. That's not exactly what she's saying, but people don't have the nuance to understand exactly what she's saying. It, that is what she's saying. She's, she's trying to cover for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, I think it's funny listening to the same people who have attacked the state of California in particular for years yeah for and for everything <laughs> now suddenly they're like whoa it's the state who brought that brought us john wayne we can't let go of that <laughs> fucking racist john wayne i mean what's happening right now well i don't listen i mean there's a there's a lot of what she said there i agree with on its on its face about equality you know pe- people always say stuff like uh yo fuck texas just let greg abbott have it who cares there are millions of Democrats and good and decent liberal people who live in Texas. And it's strange for me because this is all or nothing thinking from Marjorie Taylor Greene. She thinks there's no Republicans in California. Shocker. And you might be surprised to learn, Margie, uh, 
we lived in Orange County. There were tons of Republicans. Yeah, they were sneezing on vegetables during the pandemic. Right. I saw them live. And you've got um, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, who you supported for that office, is from Bakersfield. He's from California. He got elected overwhelmingly in his district. Good old Kevin McCarthy. There's there are it's a split. Texas is almost 50-50. It's probably 53-47 or something. So don't let them whine anymore about Biden not doing enough to unify when they are seeking a divorce. A literal division of the country. So, of course, Kevin McCarthy recently gave Tucker Carlson all of the January 6th footage. He's like the only person who was granted access to it. Tens of thousands of hours. And... Tucker Carlson, of course, is just the perfect person to really comb through that to get us the truth, because as we know, he tells the truth. He is the truth teller on Fox News, as Marjorie Taylor Greene said. He is the one. And don't worry about the texts that show him talking about how Donald Trump can ruin them if they don't do the election lie coverage correctly. Don't worry about those text messages. Don't worry about him calling Sidney Powell a fucking bitch. Don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about him trying to, you know, writing Hunter Biden and trying to get Buckley Carlson into Georgetown. Don't worry about any of that. Okay, the private communications and who he really is that show how he's a liar every night. Don't worry about that. He's still the same Tucker Carlson that just loves Donald Trump. He loves him so much that this video appeared of Donald Trump ordering McDonald's when he he paid a visit to Ohio in the aftermath of the train derailment. He was ordering at McDonald's, and Tucker Carlson thinks it is a work of art that should be in a museum. Whatever you think of Donald Trump, when he's unleashed in a crowd of people, he's pretty unbelievable. If you haven't seen the tape of him ordering at McDonald's in East Palestine, treat yourself. He wows everyone in the room. Again, you don't have to love Trump to know he's really good at this, and it's real. I mean, he feels it. That's why he's so good at it. So he's a huge threat. But in a normal country, in a democracy, you would let voters decide whether they want him to run the country again. But no! Partisan prosecutors at all levels, state and federal, are trying to prevent him from running for president again. Everyone- you know, it's it's the number one thing that comes to mind when I think of Donald Trump. And if Pew called and they did a poll and they're like, what what's one phrase that you think of when you think of Donald Trump? I would just say great interpersonal skills. Yeah, that's right. Really good with people. He yeah. walks into a room and he he makes you feel seen. I, <laughs> he doesn't I just, think about himself at all. <laughs> I'm shocked that we've turned a corner where Tucker Carlson is is comfortable filleting Donald Trump on his nightly show. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I knew you were doing something. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Make sure you touch the balls, Tucker. All right. So, so Donald Trump's amazing. He has a fantastic, perfect McDonald's order, and everything's great. It's the same clip, by the way, that you he wanted you to treat yourself watching, where Donald Trump told the girl at the counter, I know this menu better than you. Of course he did. He's so great with people. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. So Nobody knows the McDonald's menu better than me. Like That's not a flex, dude. You're a fucking clown. Including someone who works at McDonald's, is actively working right. at McDonald's. Okay, so... You know Nikki Haley is running for president. You know Donald Trump is running for president. 
And you may not know that there is a third person currently running for president, and his name is Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, I think he, he calls himself an entrepreneur. I don't know a lot about him, but uh, he's running for president and the Republican nomination. So Not that just says a, calling something. yourself an entrepreneur is just the, the go to way to get admiration from Republicans. George Santos, I believe, is also an entrepreneur. Right. It means nothing. <laughs> um, did you know the first Republican debate is already scheduled for August? Can you believe that? crazy i mean it's march almost it's basically march and it's going to be in august so I just... we have two and a quarter candidates in the race and uh they're going to have a debate yeah so this is an interview of vivek illustrating what sets him apart from donald trump this is the question that is being asked of everyone and no one can answer it no one has an answer for what sets them apart from donald trump you're looking for the republican nomination Probably the, the leader right now would be Donald Trump if you look at the polls. What are the policy differences you have between yourself and Donald Trump? So first of all, Donald Trump's a friend. I'm not running against him. I am running on a vision for well, our not, nation. Wait a minute, but you're not running for him. You're running against him. Let's be honest. I'm, okay, well, here's what I'm, I'm running for our country. But here's, but let's, be, let's, let's talk about differences because I'm with you, Sean. He was the OG of America first. I'm taking that to the next level with America First 2.0. Well, first of all, the the, the OG of America First is the Ku Klux Klan. (laughs) They marched through the streets of Washington, D.C. with their banners that said America First. Uh, Come on. Okay, let's actually get the job done, which means dismantling federal bureaucracy. Instead Instead of actually these managerial protections and civil service protections, I'm proposing eight-year sunset clauses for anybody in the federal bureaucracy. If I can't derive a paycheck from the federal government as the next U.S. president for more than eight years, I don't think other federal bureaucrats should either. I'm going to shut down federal agencies. Earlier today, I put out my proposal to actually shut down the Department of Education, which should not exist. That's just the first of many government agencies that I am pledging to shut down as the next president. I am dismantling this climate religion. We have been addicted to a climate religion that shackles the United States while leaving China untouched. So I think this is about taking it to the next level as far as I see. All right, Vivek, we're going to watch playing him off. closely. Uh, welcome to the race. And got a lot of time between now and this time next year. People will be voting all around. The- it's interesting because I, I still don't know who the fucking guy is. I have no <laughs> idea who this is. And why is he getting airtime on one of fox's most popular shows well again he's he's not answering the question so yeah none of them are answering the question nikki haley has been asked several times and she is again doing the same thing that he just did they're they're i'm not running against donald trump right like they don't want to upset him they don't want the attacks to start it's like the attacks are are coming and what are what are you doing about it and she keeps saying well I will I will attack back once the attacks happen. It's I don't like, kick sideways, she says. Yeah, it's like, okay, whatever. So you guys have gotten yourself into this mess. I'm well, it's not... A, it's also, listen, it's the primary. You're not running against Joe Biden. You're running against Donald Trump. Let's not be idiots about this. Right. I also love how he is saying that he wants to close all of these federal agencies and, <laughs> you know, rolling back regulations, closing federal agencies. That's what the Republican Party is all about until they're on the ground in East Palestine, Ohio, where right. the train derailment just occurred. And then they're having to grapple with all these these video clips popping up of Donald Trump bragging about rolling back regulations. And, you know, this is 
what happens when you when you do that when you roll back regulations without a i mean we have a a track record to look back on of of the government either deregulating or failing to regulate that's why there was lead in the air for decades that caused iqs to plunge and crime to spike it's because of lack of regulation or the rolling back of regulations that previously existed. So Tim Scott is another one who is kind of making the pre-presidential announcement run in Iowa. And he recently gave a speech kind of signaling what he's going to focus on in, in his campaign. And I know it's going to be surprising to you, but he focuses a lot here on the problem of victimhood. Safe in itself. Why can Republicans never find a fucking microphone that's connected to a mixing board that isn't turned up to 12? (laughs) Poisoning, flooding our countries. Politicians in the culture are getting communities hooked, hooked on the drug of victimhood and the narcotic of despair. They are addictive and they are lethal. People see themselves as victims with no hope, no accountability, and no skin in the game. How did this happen? For two and a half centuries, for two and a half centuries, the rest of the world marveled, marveled at Americans' confidence and ambition. What went wrong? Pretend you are our nation's greatest enemy. You say, you say you wanted a blueprint to ruin America. What would you put in it? First, you would take aim at our patriotism. So you'd amplify attention seekers who say America is an evil country. Make it easy to get rich and famous by feeding the empty calories of anger to people who are starving for hope. That's quite the uh, stump speech that he has feverishly rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of Republicans saying that Tim Scott is kind of their top pick right now. And I know Adam Kinzinger has come out and said that he really likes Tim Scott, that once people hear Tim Scott's story, that they will be moved to support him. I yeah. think Adam Kinzinger is kind of, you know, obviously he's not going to support Trump and he's looking for who the person is that he's he's going to support. It's, and That's what's so weird about that's what I'm talking about. Going back to the earlier talk about Republicans and your moderate Republicans. He won't support Trump, Adam Kinzinger, but he'll support a Trump. He'll support a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. It's, it just it makes no fucking sense. You are opposed to the destruction of democracy, yet you'll support someone who supports someone who is at the tip of the spear in destroying American democracy. Right. Fuck. Yeah. So look for a Tim Scott announcement coming soon. And this is this is what we do. I mean, we we cover the the elections, the primaries. We are going to cover all the debates, all of this yeah. stuff. This is this is what we do, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. <laughs> and so we're gearing up for that, but Fox News is already talking about Tim Scott, and there was a funny moment where John Roberts, who is supposed to be one of their quote-unquote reporters, right, he's the former man, White House correspondent. 
Yeah. Fox News. And he he made an interesting comment about racist attacks on Tim Scott because Tim Scott is black in case people don't know who Tim Scott is. So this senator is senator from South Carolina. This is John Scott talking about the racist attacks. John Roberts talking about Tim Scott. I think I'm falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> but the racist attacks on him are just they're despicable and pretty terrible. They're just despicable. It's it, it, and it's solely because he's a conservative. And because people are racist, both. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, <laughs> that goes both that, ways. That goes with us. Yeah, of course. Uh, so that... that <laughs> wait, they're, they're racist attacks because he's conservative, not because he's black? Because it's race, racist. Interesting. Weird how he muddled those two things. Hmm. Kind of showed you cards there, John Roberts. I just love the awkward exchange and how you can feel how awkward it is. Like they're just like sitting there, and she's like, "Well, it's also because they're racist." Yeah, like also, what <laughs> racist attacks? I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it is the Republican Party, so uh, I don't know what they've been saying about their. Or is he trying to say Democrats are being racist toward Tim Scott? Oh, that probably is what they're saying. Like, but who and what? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Of course, he doesn't say. It's just out there. Well, it's a seven-second clip. All these racist attacks. <laughs> because he's a conservative. Yeah. Well, if it's a racist attack, again, it would be because he's black. Yeah. Well, get ready for the the campaign to heat up because, of course, Ron DeSantis will surely be throwing his hat in the ring. And he rec- recently, again, is making these pre-presidential announcement appearances. And this time he decided to talk about the the book bans and the headlines that have come out out of, out of Florida and his efforts to prevent people from learning about the real world. And he decided to frame it in, in a very interesting false way. But they've tried to create in Florida uh, a narrative. Um, It's basically a book ban hoax. It's a hoax what they're doing. And they're trying to say that because we have parental rights and because we have curriculum transparency, if you have a book that has hardcore pornography in a a library that 10-year-olds can access, a parent objects to that, that does not satisfy Florida standards. It should not be in the library with those young kids. And I think think 99% of parents agree with that. What you will see, and you had a person in Jacksonville say, take a picture of blank bookshelf, say, the state doesn't want any books in the library, and then it ends up going. And then you have lefty media that do it, and then they try to create a narrative. They've also said, you just had on MSNBC, you had the, uh, the reporter saying that Governor DeSantis does not want students to learn about slavery and its aftermath. Well, if you actually looked at what our standards are, not only is it not prohibited to teach that, it's required to teach that. It's required to teach all of those things. It's required under Florida statutes to teach about racial discrimination. And so they will say, oh, we, they had the school had to take a book about Hank Aaron off the shelf because it talks about he faced racial discrimination. And you're thinking like, okay, and why are they doing that? They're doing that to try to create a narrative. They're not doing that because Florida has a law or 
anything like that. They know that's not in the law, but they're doing it because they know there's enough people in corporate media who will just take that and will run with that. So we've got all these examples cataloged um, of basically media lies to try to do to try to do the hoax. A lot of this has been debunked. The Jacksonville person got I think got fired. There's a teacher in Central Florida that was doing really inappropriate things with the in terms of what they were putting out online. So that's gone. And so at the end of the day in Florida, um, you know, if it's explicit and pornographic, parents have the right to object and it should be taken off. He's a dangerous fucking guy. He's very dangerous. A brief sausage moment, how the sausage is made. Meaning is what I'm talking about with the wow, sausage. What? <laughs> is that, They're all like, what was happening during the clip? No, no. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm editing the shows now and I am being trained on that by you. And I'm almost to the point where I can do it myself. I'm very, I'm very close to that. Probably a few more times and then I'll, I'll be editing it myself without you. But I just had a, a clip. I get all the clips. And as I was listening to it, I'm like, hey, I only hear this in one ear. And you just wrote down a time and you wrote mono clip because, and this is going to be something new that I get to learn how to fix. So I'm really <laughs> excited because I don't know. But you're also explaining something that they're not going to know anything about because it'll be fixed in, in post. Okay, well... <laughs> You'll know how well I did yeah, during the fixed. editing if it's fixed. <laughs> and if it's still fucked, then you know I'm not very good. So can we, can we or can we not file this clip under shit that just doesn't fucking happen? Yeah, I mean, he's talking about hardcore pornography, and it's very reasonable that parents don't want this in kids' libraries. It's like there is no hardcore pornography that's in- not, like until Ron DeSantis showed up, there has just been hardcore pornography shoved down the throats of children. I mean, and thankfully, I, he's here to save the that's day. That's where I go to get my porn is the the bookshelves at the library. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. And also for him to deny that they're banning books, they're banning books in Florida. There's a giant list of books that have been banned in Florida but, that are Holocaust-related, that are they're not all hardcore pornography the lie that he just told none of them are hardcore pornography and <laughs> and you that's ha- what i mean yeah you have you have ronda santis again saying that these aren't book bans but when you say that someone from the government needs to come and evaluate whether or not the book that you have in your classroom is appropriate and they are measuring it by the standards created by someone like ronda santis right who doesn't want issues of diversity inclusion anything having to do with race from a critical perspective when he is deciding what the measuring stick is there are inevitably going to be things that are very much not hardcore pornography that are going to be banned and kids will not have access to he also does this thing where he he hides behind florida law well you know this in florida law just says there's a reason it's florida law dumb fuck it was passed by your Republican legislature, and you signed it into law. It's not something you didn't have anything to do with. Right. It's just fascism. Well, and the text of Ron DeSantis's higher education bill recently was released. This is Florida HB 999. And in it, they talk about how all general education courses must promote, quote, the values necessary to preserve the constitutional republic through traditional, historically accurate coursework. Courses based on unproven theoretical or exploratory content are banned from general education. 
this is a higher education bill. He's he's trying to decide what is going to be taught in higher education. In in this bill, it says that you may not promote, support, or maintain any program or campus activity that violates the bill or that espouses diversity, equity, and inclusion or critical race theory rhetoric. Camp campus activity. Yes. So it's not even what's taught in classrooms. Right. You're not allowed to have a club, a, a Black History Club, or or um, a Black Lives Matter club. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. Again, they're banning diversity. Yeah. And equity and inclusion. They are saying that this is a bad thing. That these are bad things, right. and they want it banned. That they're they're exploratory or or uh, experimental. Yeah, and and here he is acting like it's all fake. So get ready because Donald Trump, uh, this is Donald Trump, but a more palatable version that is cleaner and more acceptable to the public. Right. And you have and people- also wildly popular with Republicans who we're not supposed to think are immoral. And popular with people like Joe Rogan, who also is a conservative but won't admit it, but he has said, oh, I like Ron DeSantis. He's endorsed him. So has Elon Musk. Right. So all you liberals out there, we're going to get fucking emails and canceled Patreons for this. All you liberals out there who act like, oh, Joe Rogan, just a, he's just a, a, a an oafy dude with a podcast. And Elon Musk, he's an, a, he's an inventor and an innovator and wonderful. Fuck that. And if you're going to vote for, for, for Ron DeSantis because you're, you're idiot uh, gods, Rogan and Elon Musk support them, then fuck you too. I guess I think you're immoral. <laughs> Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email. Actually, let me say this. If you are going to cancel your Patreon support, leave us a, a voicemail or a voice memo and tell us why. Don't just do some shitty little message on Patreon telling us, oh, Jesse told me to fuck straight off, so I guess I'm gonna. We want to hear from you. Again, 657 657- Four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Scott Adams. Wow. Scott Adams created the Dilbert cartoon comic series. Yeah, and he's a virulent Trump supporter and racist. Yeah, so he recently put up this racist rant that we're going to get to. So early on, you know, I don't think he was ever, like, officially accepted into the inter- uh, intellectual dark web. He, like, didn't sit for those plotted pant- plant photos right, no, in the New York didn't. Times, for example, but... He was kind of a part of that crew. Was he kind of like a Dave Rubin figure? Like he was bummed he wasn't included. Yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, um, and he became a Trump supporter early on. And again, there were there was a lot of criticism for him early on, and what this represented about him and his views. And now we're really getting the truth of what Scott Adams has felt all along in this unhinged rant that he did, I guess on his YouTube channel. Does yeah. Have- it was like a two, like a two hour live stream where he's just talking and like, sometimes he'll interact with comments. When I, when I heard the, the isolated clip on Twitter, I read through the comments. People were like, is this real? Is this a deep fake? This is so insane. Uh, they didn't believe it was real, and I, I had the same trepidation. I'm like, I don't want to get duped by some fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. So I went to his YouTube channel, found the exact you know three-minute section, or how I don't know how much you clipped here, but there's like three minutes that he's talking 
that uh, is included in the two-hour deal, and it's real. It's from his YouTube channel. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Get, where, wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. Right? This can't be fixed. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where, you know, I have a very low black population. Because unfortunately, there, you know, there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon when, when he notes that the, when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. So even Don Lemon sees a big difference in your own quality of living based on where you live and who's there. So I, I think it makes no sense whatsoever as a uh, white citizen of America to try to help black citizens anymore. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's no longer a rational impulse. And so I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. Like I've been doing it all my life, and I've been the only outcome is I, be, I get called a racist. That's the only outcome. <laughs> it makes no sense to help black Americans if you're white. The, the, it's over. Don't, don't even think it's worth trying. Totally not trying. And there we go. You didn't expect that today, did you? <laughs> but those who don't want to focus on education, you just need to get away from them. Just get as much distance as you can. That's my recommendation. Um, and I'm also really sick of seeing video after video of black Americans beating up non-black citizens. Wow. Um, you know, I realize it's anecdotal. And, you know, it doesn't give me a, a full picture of what's happening. But every damn day I look on social media and there's some black person beating the shit out of some white person. I'm kind of over it. I'm over it. Right? So I, I quit. You know what I see videos of every single day is cops beating the shit out of black people. Mm-hmm. This is... This is racist. I know that, the, uh, like, in the comments of the video I did about this and in the comments of on, on Twitter that I see, it's, this isn't racism. This isn't racist. It's... I don't want to have, this is a quote, I don't want to have anything to do with them, meaning black people, because they're black. The best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away because they're black. It is textbook definitional racism. Yeah, there's so much wrong here, but... I think when he talks about back off, that he wants to back off from being helpful to black America, he says, I've been doing it all my life. What what exactly has he been doing to right. be helpful? And, also, and, it doesn't, and it doesn't seem like it pays off. 
Yeah, so but, it, it doesn't pay off for him, so he's going to back off. But what has he been doing his whole life? What kind of activism has he been involved in? I mean, ah. it, it doesn't sound like he has been. It sounds like he has deep, uh, deep prejudicial, yeah. race, <laughs> racist ideas that he has not worked on dismantling, that he has made no effort to do so. I mean, if his he's kind of telling on himself, right? If his algorithm is feeding him every day videos of black people beating up white people, right. then I will tell you that he's on like the racial consciousness side of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And racial consciousness is... Or race realists. Yeah, those are buzzwords for white supremacists. Right. And I mean, this is the same kind of stuff that, that you hear in white supremacist circles where you know he's talking about I realize it's anecdotal but I see this black violence on white people and it proves that there's nothing that can be done to save black America from being what they're going to be and he even tries to use Don Lemon who's a black man and say listen even Don Lemon acknowledges that there's a problem in, in black neighborhoods what you will never hear racists and white supremacists say is that the the primary issue here is socioeconomic status. And when you go into low-income neighborhoods, you are going to have more crime. That's that's the primary driving force there. Yeah, but, not the color of people's skin. But what, what racists will argue is that it is something inherent in black people that makes them more violent and more likely to commit crime. Now, and that, that this, is something you can't fix. This metric runs across race. Low socioeconomic neighborhoods that are white, there is more crime there. Oh, yeah. It go, just, it's what it is. Go and look at these poor white supremacist households where they are engaged in domestic violence, child abuse. I right. mean, it, this is it, it comes with the territory. Even more traditional crimes like larceny and burglary and theft and those also. I mean, also, obviously, child abuse and, and domestic violence. But it runs the gamut and it's not a marker of of your skin tone. It's a marker of socioeconomics. Well, and this is actually, it's an educational point in white supremacist households. And I guess I'll steal Scott Adams' line. I realize this is anecdotal. This happened in my white supremacist household. But this was a talking point that black people, people who are not white, they will always hate you because you're white. Yeah. And there's nothing that you can do about that. And I was told that from a very young age. And I'm sure other racist kids that are growing up in these households are being told that. Obviously, Scott Adams was told that. And now he's telling his audience that. And based on the comments in your YouTube video, on Twitter, on Facebook, there's many adults who still believe this. Sure, right. And I, I think that, you know... I don't know what those people need to hear, but they certainly don't need to hear anecdotes or have an algorithm feeding them propaganda all day long. Uh, we would love to know what you think about this. Look, this is becoming uh, normalized in the United States of America. We talk about this all the time. Uh, Brittany grew up in a household where these were topics that were spoken about inside the house. They weren't as uh, freely broadcast to your normie neighbors because they knew, they knew that it would be met with derision and unacceptance where now this guy's on a YouTube live stream, this multimillionaire Dilbert cartoonist with a major platform with impunity, no fear of, of cancel culture, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. 
www.thegreatdebate.com. Thanks for joining us today. We love you guys. We appreciate your, your time, your listenership, your loyalty. You guys mean the world to us. If you'd like to check out joining and becoming a Patreon family member, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and check out what is available there. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.